Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Hadit.com Radio Show. Hadit.com Radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this... uh, 14th day of February, 2019, for all you uh, uh, gals out there want to wish you a happy Valentine's Day. Hope you don't get too mad at your old man. We forgot you. Mind him next year. Maybe he'll get it then. Anyway, we're here today with our co-host, Jay Basser, and... uh, our guest speaker today is Dr. Craig Bash. He's a veteran's medical advisor. So uh, if you have any questions or comment, feel free to call in. Our number is 347-237-4819. Now that number, once again, is 347 237 Four eight one nine, and then uh, you'll hear some lady talking. Uh, uh, just hit one while she's talking, or after she talks, or whatever. That'll bring in the queue with us. So feel free to call in. How are you doing today, Doctor Bash? I'm doing. I'm doing good. Hey, um, I'm kind of worried about this new uh, new VA process and where they're going to try and process claims, you know. Uh, yeah, we've been about talking about that for a good while. Yeah. It, uh, it Being new, it, it's always of a concern to me. Uh, it takes them so long to get the bugs worked out of things. And is it even feasible? I, you know, who knows? Are they going to make the the process better, or are they going to make it worse? Uh, yeah. It, it's just... The big thing I worry about is trying to put in new evidence, you know? It's like one of, the, one, of those, one of those pathways talks about how you can go for a higher level review, but you don't get to put new evidence in, you know? And then, um, so new evidence would be like my medical opinion or the you know, new medical data and so on. So not having new evidence could really hurt the claim because oftentimes the veteran doesn't know what he needs and you know, medical testing gets better over time, and so on. They have a better chance of success with with more evidence. I think you know. Uh, what I run into, Doctor Bash, all through my claim, like uh, they, they were setting on the evidence that I needed, and by the time I'd get my hands on it, uh, it would be several years down the road, and then I'd have to submit it. Uh, and it coming from the VA, 
And to me, that's problematic. When they mention that you can't put in new evidence, many times it, it, it's years before you you know it's there. Of course, they can never find it. You have to give them the, the page number and everything else. I mean, you got to nail it down for them, put it in their hand before they'll consider it. Um, now, yeah, with yeah. medical evidence, such as what you provide, uh, that's a little different, but uh, the evidence in your records, because they won't go hunt for it, and even if you tell them it's there, they'll just say they can't find it or it don't exist. And when you realize yes, it really does, it could be five, six, seven years down the road. Yeah, yeah, and some of the VA people have told me that they won't they won't let them do new testing. Like, you know, in the old days, if they had a question about some issue, like if they needed a chest X-ray or they needed their expert opinion, you know, they go out and get it. But they've told them now, if there's no, you know, if the evidence isn't there, just deny the case. And if they won't allow new evidence, it makes it very difficult for the veteran to be successful, like you're talking about. Oh, they won't be successful. Uh, yeah. Unless unless they get a VA doctor to work with them, which is uh, that that's not very <laughs> likely. <laughs> yeah. So my so my so my philosophy now is I'm trying to do a lot of these cases with the evidence up front, you know. So like in the old days, I might write an opinion and say that this was this way because of this reason and that we might need a certain test. So what we do now is we're trying to get the testing done ahead of time. Like I might get a podiatrist to weigh in. I might get a neurologist to weigh in behind me. I might get a pulmonary doctor. So by the time the, the, the claim is ready to put in, I have my, my opinion, plus I might have three or four of the doctor opinions behind me with all the, all the needed evidence, you know. Well, the way it's structured now, I can see that uh, that's about the only way you have to go, isn't it? Uh, you yep, that way. And the yeah. Yep, try and get in up front, right, which is hard because the yeah. veteran, you know, it's costly and so on time-consuming, but the other thing is that they have that, they might have that thing called a supplemental supplemental appeal, you know, if one of those pathways has a supplemental appeal. Uh-huh. So I think the supplemental appeal, my thought was that in the supplemental appeal, I might do another medical opinion with a new medical test, like I might order a new chest x-ray or we might have a new, you know, pulmonary function test or something like that, so it would be relevant. Because the VA is going to say if it's not relevant, they're not going to admit it. And then another way to do it would be to get a second position behind myself to you know, to have to weigh opinions. So Dr. Bash says this and Dr. Jones says that. So that's another piece of relevant, new relevant information which would allow new information to get into the file. I guess you can do that like three or four times. And then after that's over, if you're still unsuccessful, then you got to maybe wait until the BDA, which could be years like you're talking about, six, seven years. You know? Yeah, that's unfortunate too because, um, you know, if the BA would really honestly work with a veteran, they got his doggone bond. They they know what's went on. They shouldn't have to depend on the veteran to tell them, you know, dig it out themselves somehow. Yeah. And they send out. Go ahead. These radar guys told me they're trying to do things so fast that if the radar asks for information and tries to get tested, it slows the case down, so they're trying to put the workload on the patient, which is not right, as you're saying. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's what they're doing. And many times a patient, they don't remember years back or or something could happen. It might be in the records. And uh, uh, I have found getting a proper claims file out of the VA is really difficult. I went through five different claims files. Uh, uh, they put on uh, CDs for me, and each one gets larger. Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> and here, this is additional information could have been utilized from the get-go. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, there's something seriously wrong with that. You, you should have a real-time claims folder that you can look at. Now, I know they I have them for, for uh, uh, some of the BSOs and stuff or uh, uh, claims practitioners. Uh, they can get that access, and lawyers, but a veteran can't get it. Yeah, because once the veteran gets it, they didn't get to some expert you know, like myself and you know, Secretary McDonald's very good at that. We used to write a letter to him, and he could get the claims file in a couple of days, and FedEx it out on a disk. But you know, the VA can do that if they want to, but they don't really seem to be that invested in that process. You know, a lot, a lot of the date, a lot of the date, data inside the records is not being looked at. You're right. So that's one of those things. Like, was going to touch on a little bit. CUE Bill Bill Krieger wants to come on in a month or so and talk about CUE in a deep way. But you know, some of the examples that I find on the medical side is that they don't look at the understand the terms, you know, like somebody will have a little fracture in their spine called a pars defect and the raiders will go by it and don't realize it's a spine fracture, you know, <laughs> up to CUE. Or the thing like reactive airway disease, they'll miss reactive airway disease. It says RAD in the record and it's, you know, precursor for asthma. So, or they'll miss, you know, some of the stuff with the nerve, nerve distribution in the hands for spinal cord, and, you know, confuse the C6 and C7 roots. Bill's got a good case on that. So, not only is the, is the record not maybe presented as well, the readers aren't looking at it as carefully as they could, you know, to find these details that can make a big difference in the case. And that's all about trying to do these cases. I heard they're trying to get readers to do cases in 30, 30 minutes now, really push them fast to get things out the door, work products. So you know, <laughs> a lot more sloppy evidence. Well, they sure ain't done mine in 30 minutes. But... Uh... Anyway, uh, it it's a new process, Dr. Bash, and, and it's got to be proven up. Uh, and if they can't prove it up, and it, uh, pretty soon we'll, we're going to find out because when uh, when everything is piled in this, uh, uh, what's this new process? Pro- I keep wanting to call it fracking, but... <laughs> Uh, ramp, ramp. Uh, ramp. <laughs> but it, uh, you know, it all, like when they claim they made such a, a headway on the claims process, it all went to the appeals. And I well, think that's what you're going to see here with the fracking program, I mean, ramp program, uh, is everything's going to pile up in the ramp program. And they're not going to be able to uh, uh, meet the timelines that they have indicated. 
that'll tell the tale. And I understand they're already uh, getting behind rather quickly. Well, I saw some a case last week that came through. They're already starting to talk about the relevant evidence. They said that the information that was presented wasn't relevant, so they're gonna they're gonna discharge. Like the veteran puts in redundant evidence or puts in you know literature and things like that, they're just gonna say it's not relevant and uh, you know push it back. So that relevant evidence is gonna be an interesting um, definition. Well, that could be uh, detrimental to a veteran for sure because. I can under, certainly understand there could be relevant evidence out here, uh, uh, articles, newspaper articles, or or you run across uh, memos, uh, you know, all, all sorts of different things. I mean, the list could go on, I imagine. Uh, just because a raider don't think it's relevant don't mean that it isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Raiders are being pushed a lot on that on that M21 too, you know. And uh, and Krieger was talking about that a little bit. He said that the M21 oftentimes doesn't doesn't relate itself very much to what the laws are. So the VA kind of makes up their own kind of internal rules and puts in the M21, and the Raiders follow it, but they're not really necessarily backed up by the by the legislature, you know. So I've I've had arguments with them, you know. And say, look, if you just read this thing, here's what it says. And they say, well, oh, no, that ain't my interpretation. And it'd be something, you know, so obvious that uh, it's crazy. But the ramp program, I think, will show its ugly face here in in six months, less than a year. It's going to be so, like I said, there'll be 500,000 behind there. They're waiting. And they're just changing names of the same problem. They're just giving it a new name. Yep. So Jay Baster wanted to talk about, he said something about vascular things, right, Jay? Yeah, I was thinking vascular. Yeah. Cardiac. Yeah, but heart disease and a little bit of PED, things like that, peripheral artery disease. It's kind yeah. of, you know, generalized discussion on that. So those issues, I mean, there's a lot of vets that got these issues, and a lot of them don't realize they got it. You know, yeah. I don't know what's going on, so. So. Yeah. So the um, yeah the um, yeah. Well, one, you know, we have to think about etiology. One, one etiology is something that's toxic in the blood vessels. You know, so we talk about, you know, Agent Orange, or talk about maybe diabetes with high sugar levels. You know, so those those toxic things can cause the vessels to react in an in inflammatory way. And so that's why you might have ischemic heart disease where the vessels get narrowed, and you might have basically ischemic changes in the legs, you know, peripheral artery disease, um, arteritis, obliterance. And uh, so it's kind of the same common pathway. And I'm sure, I haven't looked at it closely, but we know diabetes causes changes in the brain, you know, and so even though it's not well-rated, but you could get things like dementia and, you know, these mini-strokes could be all due to those same kind of 
vascular changes, you know, in the brain. So then the, the organ, the end organ kind of responds the same way. When you don't have enough blood to whatever organ it is, it starts to lose function. So like in the heart, you might get, you know, angina, chest pain. In the legs, you might get this thing called claudication, where you walk a certain distance, you know. So then the is rest of the VA tries to... What, go ahead. Is there any treatment for that if you got, like, hardening of what they call hardening of the arteries, uh, uh, especially in your legs, is there any special medication a person can take? Yeah, well, it all kind of depends exactly what the cause is. You know, it's, there's lots of ways they get sort of overlapping problems. So if you have high blood pressure, that can cause some arterial narrowing and, you know, they hardening the arteries classically. And if you have high sugar, that can cause problems. And if you have toxic exposure, that can cause problems too. And those things... So you might have sugar, you might have all three of them. You might have sugar, you might have some Agent Orange, you might have some blood pressure. So if you can treat part of them, you know, get the blood pressure down, you know, maybe fix your cholesterol in some ways, you know, get that corrected, and then some of that stuff can be reversed a little bit. The toxin, the toxin stuff from Agent Orange is probably a little bit more sort of concrete, not as reversible, but um, the body's always trying to make things better. So if you can optimize the environment, there's no, there's no real magic bullet. You know, if you have a real single narrowing, that's where you get those stents, and they do vascular surgery and put new vessels in to try and correct that stuff, you know. But uh, a lot of this can be chronic. What about, it? you know, it gets so bad your feet go numb. I know several veterans that they claim their feet went numb. Uh, that's a serious situation, isn't it? Yeah, it's a huge problem. Uh, you know, the vessels, you know, the vessels, um, there's little small blood vessels, vasovasorum, that run along the side of the nerves. So when yes. The blood vessels start to get yeah. So when the blood vessels start to get damaged, those little vessels that run that supply the nerves get damaged. You know, maybe even early, and then you get those problems with the nervous system. You know, you get that um, peripheral neuropathy from different causes. You get numb feet, and you have loss of balance, and you may have to use a cane. You may fall, and you, know, you get yourself into high levels of SMC based on loss of use and loss of balance. You know, not even amputation or spinal cord. It can be based on peripheral neuropathy. Yeah, it's a very serious. You can cut your foot off and burn it and get infected. People can die from all those secondary complications. Oh, that's serious. Yeah. It makes uh, they. It's not really possible to go in there and do a, what they call rotor rooter or go up there and clean yeah. the plaque and stuff out because if you chip that plaque up and it starts breaking loose, of course it could cause a stroke. Um, well, or worse yet, it could the, kill you. Yeah, stroke. There's no legs you get a stroke in your leg, you might lose your foot, you know. And the plaque, it depends on what the process is. Some, some processes are continuous like a freeway jam all the way down the freeway, and other processes are more like a bottle like at an intersection, you know. So yeah. if you fix the red light, you can fix some of those different things. That's what we do imaging and angiograms to try and find out exactly what's going on there. We can try and uh, tailor the treatment, you know. But the, uh, but the VA rates those things. They kind of rate them. They kind of rate them both. You know, Krieger's not here as a radar expert, but they kind of rate them on function. You know, like like in the legs, they talk about the claudication, the pain that you get over a certain distance. They measure like 100 yards and give you a certain number. Then they they also measure it based on this ankle brachial index. They take the blood pressure 
in your wrist and compare it to your leg, and it should be pretty close, even though it's a little bit different distance. And if if that index is less than 0.9, they can give you a higher higher percent, like 20%. You know, same thing in the heart. If you have the heart ischemic heart disease, then they'll get the rate you based on METs, you know, metabolic units. And so you can measure that by how far you can walk or you can climb stairs, and they'll give you different uh, levels. There's a little chart you can look at. Or they can put you on a treadmill and measure your oxygen and try and get an idea of what's going on that way. Oh, but wow. anybody who has chest pain, yeah. any, any patient has chest pain or leg pain when they exercise or work out, that, that should be an indication that they have they might have these ischemic these places where the blood's not getting to that yeah. organ, you know, the leg or the heart. Okay. I've got a question, Doctor Bass. Now, what if you have yeah. those symptoms, symptomology, and you know you have that, but say your cholesterol, you know, you have it checked regularly, and your cholesterol's in good shape. You know, you can take it from yeah. antistatin medication or whatever. Yeah. What would it, what would what would be the factor in that issue? Um, well, the um, you could look. You're trying to separate cholesterol problems versus the the problems you might get from uh, Asian orange or diabetes, right? What you're talking about. You're trying to split out those, yeah, those processes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You rule out. So, you know, yeah, yeah. So it's like a process of elimination. So you know, if your cholesterol is good and it's been good, then that might be a less likely problem. But then you could check the blood sugars and see what that's like, and then check the you know check like what the toxin history is, check the, the blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you can also you, know, you can do some manual testing where you measure the, the the pulses in the leg and see if they're if they're normal. And then you know if, then if you're confused about it, then you can get the uh, get that test, that ankle brachial index test, and see how that works out. Mm-hmm. If that's low, well, then um, then then you have sometimes you get in a situation, oftentimes actually medicine, where you have two processes that can give a similar result. You know, and so in mm-hmm. a case like that. Okay. I always, you know, tie goes to the veteran. So if I, I would say something like the patient had some high cholesterol, but now it's under control, and we know that cholesterol could contribute to this process, but we also know that he's exposed to TCE or Agent Orange or has diabetes, and that could also do it. And so, you know, in my opinion, it's impossible to tell which one is, is causation, and the veteran should get credit for either well, one of them. Now. How would uh, how would 35 years of uncontrolled hypertension get in the mix? Yeah. Yep, same thing. High blood pressure causes the same kind of deal. It causes those arteriosclerotic, arteriosclerosis damage. The, the blood pressure damages the intima of the wall, and then the intima gets a little bit damaged, and then the plaque, the plaque can stick to it. Like you know, if you have high cholesterol. And, oh, okay. It also depends on the size of. Sandpaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It kind of depends on. It kind of depends on you know, turbulent flow, like in places where you have intersections. There's a lot of turbulent flow, and that can cause the plaque to build up, like the bifurcation in the parotids is a classic place. You now we have turbulent flow. And um, so and that turbulent flow also is what causes the aneurysms to form oftentimes in those junctions because it makes it a little bit weak there. You know, so, um, you know, the, the chronic hypertension can be a, a contributor to it. Yeah, the, the size of the particles makes a difference, too. So we're starting to do MRI scans. So a microscopic type of MRI measures the size of the particles, and it turns out that not all the cholesterol particles are made the same. And some are kind of fat and juicy, and some are kind of small and thin, you know, little. And so uh, they talk about the LDLs are smaller type particles, but there's even some breakdowns in those. So what happens is the small little particles can get through the wall of the, of the vessel. So if you have that turbulent area or you have some, you know, damage to the wall, the 
little small particles can get inside there and start to build up the plaque in the subintimal area. Whereas the big fat little juicy ones, like you know, they might be like dump trucks. They just kind of roll by and they can't get in. They can't get in and cause damage. So it's not just the raw number of particles. Also, has to do with the size of them. So that's why, if you take different types of medic- medications or even vitamins, you can change the particle size. And then when you do that, then you can actually start to change the vessel. You can get some reversal of some of that stuff. Hmm. Well, that, that would uh, that could actually uh, affect your brain, brain if you started getting black build up in your brain. Yeah. yeah, anything that happens in the heart and the legs is going to happen in the brain. You know, it might not be quite as obvious. But on an MRI scan, we see a lot of that. Like if you take an MRI scan of somebody who's had diabetes for a lot of years, you'll see a lot of these little tiny areas of increased T2 signal, which can be caused by hypertension and often diabetes and you get little microscopic damage to the brain that you don't really know about. And that may be part of that aging process where the brain doesn't work quite as well or the memory's not quite as good. It might just be these small little changes in the brain that have occurred because of, you know, the blood vessel pathology that we don't really, you know, pay that much attention to maybe in the brain. Wow. Looks like it's uh, a rough way to go. It... uh but most of that can be service. Can that, I mean, you know, if you can evidence exposure to something or Agent Orange or or whatever, uh, yeah, it, it it can be service connected. <clears throat> yeah, anything else good? Because the service connection is part of it. You get benefits for rating decision, but also, you know, that service connection process helps people identify, you know, in the hospital because. You know, a lot of these patients now are being cared for by nurse practitioners and PAs, you know. Yes. So those guys, those guys aren't going through the detailed analysis to try and find the root cause oftentimes. And so if, if you get service-connected for some sophisticated process, say maybe you have TCE in your brain that showed up as these changes, and that gets in your medical record, and then the nurse practitioner and the PA goes along and can see that and can read about it and then try and think about how to treat it. They're not going to necessarily find it, but they might be able to treat it a little bit if they know that it's there, you know what I mean? So it could change your whole way of being treated based on your rating. Well, that's right. If if they know what the symptoms are, uh, like you say, they may not know exactly where it's at, but I would say if the guy's foot is numb, it's bound to be in their leg somewhere, or even at the foot, or you know, various locations there. Uh, yeah. And if they're giving them uh, treating a symptom uh, with some sort of medication, I don't know what kind of medication they treat it with, but. Uh, uh, I would suspect you'd know pretty quick if you started getting feeling back that they were were uh, doing the right thing. Making an effect, yeah. yeah. Part of the problem is that the visits are so short now, too, you know. So you have a nurse practitioner, a 15-minute visit, and the patient comes in, with they might have high blood pressure, you know. So the, the whole visit is rolling around and talking about the high blood pressure, whereas the patient also had on his list the numb foot, like you're talking about. Well, the, the numb foot... I see case after case now where the patient goes in with a new medical problem to a medical visit, and the doctor and the 
nurse practitioner and PA just ignore the new finding. Like those, the patient will say, I've got a numb foot, or the patient will say, I'm not, I'm not urinating very well. The patient will say, I've got blood in my stool or whatever. And the doctor just and the nurse and the nurse practitioner kids are just ignoring it because if they if they acknowledge that problem in the medical record and then they don't work it up you know with a two hour workup and do a bunch of testing uh-huh. then they're like they're like liable for malpractice so they're just they're just going they're just treating the one problem the patient comes in with and they're ignoring they're really ignoring the other new issues it's crazy bad medicine crazy bad medicine that, that is bad medicine and I've seen that. I've seen that very thing because I'm told them at the VA, you know, different things, and they just go right over top of it and keep going. It's not the, yeah, uh, not the VA only. No, no follow-up. Yeah, sector is doing the same thing cause, uh, because it's the short visits, you know. It's actually yeah. being propagated in the medical schools because I've had medical students tell me that the resident told them when the patient comes, they only deal with one problem. They only deal with one problem and get them out the door, you know. So that that's becoming a systemic problem throughout all medicine, and it's not, you know, it's just not very good. Even even the guys that do stuff like I do, the ratings, you know, the medical opinions. Like I had a guy today that went to for an opinion, and the and the guy gave him one, you know, gave him one issue, you know, and I had like 15 issues I picked up, and I, you know, some of them are really spine, you know, things that he has that he's got to get rated for, and you know, so you know, if the doctors even. You know, the rating process are only doing one issue, and the doctors at the hospital are only doing one issue, and, the, and you know, the PAs and nurses are only doing one issue. It's really bad for the patient because patients have more than one issue. They have many issues that simultaneously happening. Well, that's a kiss of death, I think. One issue. <laughs> yeah. Even the, even the raters. They better have an hour for me. <laughs> The raiders tell me when they want to get their workload, some of my patients are raiders, you know. So like when they want to get their workload out, they, you know, they can go through the National Archive, the, you know, the big bank of cases, and they can try and cherry pick. They can cherry pick the cases with one or two issues and get their workload, you know, get their work unit credits up. And if cases with five or six or ten issues, they walk by and they just keep floating around the system because nobody wants to touch them, you know. Yeah. Bad. So back to that cardiac, you know, a patient very likely could have, to get back to this question, they could very likely have cardiac disease. They very likely could have peripheral vascular disease. And they very likely could have cerebral vascular disease all at the same time. So that's three, those are three monster big issues that to work up from a medical standpoint require a lot of testing and, you know, a lot of different expertise and treatment and surgical options. You know, it's a big deal. Well... You have to, when you, uh, a veteran goes into their primary care team, they have to insist on getting listened to. I know they want to get you in there and out there, but uh, if you have several major issues, you want to discuss them all and and just don't let them rush you out the door. Because that's your time, too. I mean, they might say, look, you can only spend 10 or 15 minutes with a veteran. But if it takes more than that, it takes more than that. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. That's the way why the old days you had doctor visits. You waited in the hallway a lot, you know. But the, um, I think what I would do if I was patient, 
when I go and I get a list, you know, I used to always tell my patients to make a list and give it to the doctor and he could look at it while he's reading. But now I think I would take that list and give it to the, you know, give it to the people. Like you could fax it in and get in your medical record before you go and send the list in afterwards and say, look, I had, I had six problems and the doctor only went over three of them. And just document this stuff because otherwise if the doctor doesn't or the nurse practitioner she just ignores it and never notes it in the record, then it was just a verbal conversation between them and it never is, it's never documented, you know. Yeah, you get it in your record right. somehow. Yeah, tell them put it in your record. <clears throat> yeah, and I've done I've had that patients, too. Yeah, yeah, I've had patients that don't leave; they won't leave the hospital until they get to see their record and make sure it's right for what they said and what they wanted to be done, you know. And the patient always get a copy of your progress report. Uh, that's beneficial, but. Uh, uh, yeah, you have to. You have to be pretty determined. You have to say, look, uh, you mm-hmm. know, we need to talk about this. And usually, when I go in, I'm I usually take up an hour, but I know a lot of veterans don't. They're in and out, and I wonder what in the world they go in there for. Get a drink of water. Yeah, get a refill prescription out the door, you know. Nothing else. Yeah. Um, but you need to discuss all your issues. Yeah. And, or as many as you can get them to discuss. Yeah, the other thing I do is if you have access to insurance, you know, another pathway, I sometimes will use two doctors, you know, like I'll have one doctor VA and one doctor insurance. And that way, the because um, all of us, all doctors have, have blind spots, stuff they don't see or understand or remember or whatever, you know. <laughs> so get two or three issues with one doctor and get two or three issues with your doctor and get overlap. And it's better for your health care and kind of prevents errors from happening, you know. But it requires re- resources and, you know, have to have, have to have. A lot of veterans only have one pathway to go with the VA, so they're kind of stuck with the one, you know. So they got to try and, I think, try and document what their problems are before they go and make sure they get covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I have uh, outside doctors, and then I have my VA doctors, and between the two, and they work good together. So if my outside doctor says I need a prescription, he'll fax it straight to my primary care team, and they fill it. Uh, So I, I manage to generate that. And that's really been beneficial for me. That's helped me a lot. Um, yep. That's exactly what, that's what, what I do with my with my VA my VA claims. You know, like I'll, I'll suggest the patient needs X Y Z. You know, for medical data, and the patient takes it to his VA doctor, and then they order the testing, right? That we need, and then boom, boom, boom. That's exactly what happens. It works perfectly. Yes, and and uh, that's the way it should work. Uh, now. Uh, once your VA doctor gets to know you and know that you're, you know, you're not clowning around with them, uh, usually they'll work with with your your doctor you have outside. Where I have a, a Medicare and Medicare gap insurance, and Perfect. I don't want to drive a hundred miles see my VA doctor yeah. and sit in the waiting room. 
I can go over here yeah. and mine seem right now. Yeah. So it right. it, it it's really good and and I know that he can communicate and the BA communicates with him. Uh, they send patches back and forth. I think they yeah. set up a portal actually and yeah. uh ex- exchange information and and uh it, like I say, it's been a blessing for me and I would advise anyone going to the VA uh, that had Medicare and GAP insurance to do the same thing. Uh, but yeah, doctors, uh, doctors like it on our side. We like it too because um, you know all those different medical training and expertise. We we learn from each other and we help each other. You know, so if one doctor has an idea that. You run with it, you know. It helps it helps it helps the patient get better. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. Uh, it's a benefit for everyone if they work together. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it works. I mean, just uh, people ought to do it. But getting back to this ramp thing, Dr. Bash, yeah. uh, have you had uh, very much uh, a good experience with it or uh, much dealings with it? Well, like I said, the main thing I've seen so far is I just see them start to talk about relevant evidence. They used to talk about new material evidence, but now... I saw a couple of decisions where they're talking about relevant evidence, you know, so they're starting to starting to get it ramped up. And they, a couple of these decisions came out that are going to be in the ramp format because the ramp has certain rules where they have to, like they have to, um, they have to list the rule, the laws that apply, and they have to list the the positive evidence. And so, uh-huh. <laughs> there's a couple of decisions I saw. It said positive evidence none. You know, they said none, and that's all they put. And then they, oh. and then they said. Yep, then they said that the relevant evidence, there wasn't any new relevant evidence. So they, they got rid of the new evidence, and they said there was no new, there was no positive evidence. So not the good. decisions are going to be very, yeah, the decisions are going to be very kind of cut and dry, I think. Yeah. So when I send my second, I'm going to document if this is positive, supportive evidence, and I'm going to say this is all relevant new evidence so that, that they have to address it. Well. Wow. Oh, I did read something else, Dr. Bash, about they're coming up with a deal on foster care for veterans. Have you heard of that? No, no. Tell me what you know. Uh, Where a family can take a veteran in uh, uh, just like they would a foster child, only it'd be a foster veteran, you know. I was uh, reading an article on that, and uh, they started it, as far as I can tell, up here and up towards Springfield there. Um, And uh, they had a a VA center there started it, and they was taking in, like, Evidently, homeless veterans or someone didn't have no one to care for them, and they were elderly, and they started a foster care program. 
Mount Mount Vernon, Missouri. It's where where it was started. So veterans can use their benefits for the family, and the family does the family get any benefits from it, or they just provide? uh, That I don't know yet. I I just uh, run into this the other day and was reading it, and I thought, well. for some veterans, it may turn out to be a good good thing. have to learn more about it, but it's something new that they're working with. Yeah. So we kind of had that informally. Yeah. Over, over the years, we kind of had that informally where veterans helping veterans, like your radio show and stuff I do. We all help try and help each other, you know? Yeah. But this is a more, this is a housing, housing thing. Uh, we yeah. actually have room and board and stuff, you know? Yeah, and help them with, you know, uh, keep their meds straight and this and that. Now, it's yeah. not for every veteran, of course, uh, but uh, it it would, you know, someone by themselves and and they're up there in age and they just got to have help. It's certainly yeah. a family that would take them in or, uh, or something like that. Uh, it could be very beneficial. Keep them off the street. Yeah, yeah. You want to see veterans out on the street uh, uh, passing away. Oh, no. That's a win win. Yeah. It could be a win win for some veterans. Like I say, it wouldn't work for me. I got enough kids and grandkids. They better take care of me. Or yeah. Hope I ain't too, bit, too, too sick to whoop them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, that is uh, something that I've run into, and I wondered if you'd heard about the program. Nope, nope, nope. I hadn't, hadn't come across it. No. Now I have to check it out further. Um, but this ramp. Like I say, it's going to take some doing to get it proved up to me. I got a bad feeling about it, and maybe that's just me. Well, they got that they got that higher level they got that higher level review thing too, you know, that they talk about. Which um, if you go down that pathway, then you don't get to put new evidence in. And I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, why a higher level review necessarily be any better than the first review, you know, if there's nothing new to look at. But if it's a if it's a DRO, like a DRO where they do a de novo review of the whole case. I had an interesting case, you know, people talk about CUEs, but I had a case with a guy who had CUE and um, he wrote it up as like on his bowel. They didn't find, he had bleeding bowel and they didn't work him up and he had polyps. But they treated the polyps so he got the zero, he got a zero percent for polyp disease. But in the process of the CUE, the DRO looked up his record and found out that he had a they made a CUE in his feet, flat feet, plantar fasciitis, and he ended up with he had a fifty percent rating for his feet on a second it was a second CUE off the first one. Oh. So but you know, those DROs have a lot of time to look at those records. I, I think in a higher level review they're just gonna be sort of a cursory review again. It's not gonna be an in depth analysis and might not really result in that much of a different outcome, you know. Well, uh, oh, gone. It uh, <laughs> go in for one thing, get rated for another. That's uh, good. 
<laughs> yeah, that turned out good for him. Um, but uh, yes, this I don't know. You. There's also, yeah. there's also some psychology going on because if it's if it's in the same station, you know, if, if Smith is reviewing Jones's work and they live in the same building and work together for 20 years, you know, it's hard for them to be totally objective. You know, they kind of just maybe go along with the other guy. I think it's going to be hard to have a really good objective, higher level review, but we'll see. Well, the problem I've seen is they take and look at the last uh, Raiders decision and then they go from it. Yeah. They don't get yeah. give their own opinion. They go from the last Raiders opinion and and that that goes nowhere. Yep, yeah, I have a case I had a case today just like that. The guy uh, the guy had uh, peripheral neuropathy like we're talking about. Maybe yes. you know, on the basis of and he also had spinal cord disease and with you know leg neuropathy and Radiculopathy and problems. So, the first raider, you know, ten years ago, looked at the record a little bit and saw that the guy was claiming peripheral neuropathy. The raider looked at the record and said, "Oh, he has spinal cord disease. That's not peripheral neuropathy. That's a different type of neuropathy." So he said, "He said the record, the record doesn't have the diagnosis and denied it. One sentence. The record doesn't have the diagnosis and denied it. He never looked at the rest of the record to see that peripheral neuropathy was already diagnosed five years before." So then the second the second rater comes along and does the same thing. You know, it's just, you know, yeah, it's longer, yada yada yada. You know, no diagnosis and denies it. And the third guy, he had three denials, the same one all the way down. So it's probably going to be a CUE case because they obviously didn't read the record and see that he had peripheral neuropathy along with spinal cord, two two processes, you know, one disease. It's back to that idea of one disease again. He had two diseases. My land. Well, that's that's what we're running into. That's one of the major problems, I think, I'd say, with the claims uh, uh, process is uh, the first writer and then the second writer and the third writer, they're all reading the same doggone and writing the same, nearly the same report. And they change a word or two and that's it. But it's actually the yeah. same doggone finding. Yeah. It's just because yeah. they didn't want to do their job. They right. just copy what this one done. So the system has uh, generated a quagmire on its own doing. It's by design. I mean, <laughs> they're lazy. Yeah. They don't want to read the report and give a, a factual uh, finding or opinion. Yeah, and that, yeah. and and that's uh, hurt a lot of veterans. So, but means we know that that's it, it's something that you can keep fighting with. It, although it can go on for years before you get someone with a third grade education that can read something. Not the bad mouth to be a, of course. Well, the uh, Social Security is, is kind of going to the same thing. They kind of shifted their analysis, and they're trying to look for more objective things, and they're using nurse practitioners and PAs and 
you know that just the fact that they use those type of trained people um, makes the analysis more shallow just based on who they use to look at it. You know, they're not going to go as deep. They don't have the same knowledge base, and they're not going to understand the inter interconnections of everything. So, well, um, that's true. They're they're not educated. They haven't been educated to what to look for, and. Uh, uh, reading these progress report, medical uh, reports, and this and that that they get from doctors and hospitals and everything else. Usually the data is all there. It's just they're not paying attention to it, or they just don't know what they're reading. They don't understand. Right, 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 right. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm looking, uh, I'm hoping the ramp program will work, but right now I don't have too much faith in what I've seen so far. Yeah, so like I said, my strategy is going to be to try and get as much medical testing data as I can up front, you know, when we first get the claim in. And the second that, thing I'm going to try and put in relevant, try and get in relevant, you know, testing and more relevant evidence along the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's uh, the only option I see you have, Dr. Bass, get it all in up front that you possibly can. Yeah. And, uh, you know, usually there's, other things lurking in the background, but at least if you can get the ball going, uh, mm-hmm. someone will pay attention to it. But it's got to be there in the beginning. If they don't look at it, also if they don't look at it, you know, on the first claim, if they deny it and you reply for another claim, then anything else you put in can be re, you know can be a new uh, can be new information. So maybe a lot of these claims will go in. You know, if ramp is really fast, when they bring them in, they deny them quickly. The patient reapplies with a new claim and new evidence. Maybe that's the way to do it, too, you know. It's cumbersome. You lose retroactive, but you might get the, might get the rating right. I think the you're right. They do. they do lose their retroactive. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, if you get a speedy reply, uh, you know, it wouldn't mean that much. But... If you go on for years, uh, that's a big deal. Then it can it can turn into uh, quite a sum, and it seems like the longer a claim runs, the harder it is to get it uh, get a satisfactory result out of it. Uh, and and that's just the way the system system works. Uh, they'll play with it for a while. Maybe they'll get it squared away, but uh, last I heard, they was already having a, quite a backlog on the ramp, so mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. how they're going to be able to keep up with that. I well, believe that'll tell. Something else we Go ahead. Really short, you know, you see these short, these short decisions now, you know, and Krieger and I were talking about this day that you know, they'll, they'll, list, they'll list the evidence, so like, say, Dr. Bash's DBQ and letter, and then they, but they won't ever 
describe it, talk about it, or expand on it in the decision, you know. So uh, that's another fertile place for CUE because if there's things in my letters or the medical records that they don't look at and don't describe that are that are positive that could change the outcome, then, yeah. then that's CUE because they don't they never really considered it. So in the speed in the speed that they're trying to do these cases now, there's going to be a lot of places where they're just going to blow by. They're going to list a bunch of medical evidence and they're just going to blow by it with a you know boilerplate and make lots of mistakes. Yeah, I'm afraid that's, that's what it's going to boil down yeah. to. There's a lot of mistakes. So I guess the way the, I guess the way to fix that, if they go, say the ramp program sends out all these decisions that are error filled, then there might be a huge increase in the CUE cases, and then the VA is going to pay those cases anyway. So maybe that's the way that the patients can get a positive, you know, correct result out of the whole thing. Well, let's hope there's some sort of recourse uh, because uh, uh, it, it sounds like they're already doing their thing. If if there's no evidence, no evidence, and no nothing, they only have one option, but that's to deny it. So that means right. the, the poor veterans got to appeal it, and. Yep. Uh, I don't know if it goes back to the regular claims process or what it does, but sooner or later, I'm surprised they haven't eliminated the claims process after you switch over the ramp. Yeah, I think you're stuck. I think you're stuck with either filing a new claim, probably be filing a lot of new claims with new evidence, you know, start over again, or um, going to the BGA, which could take a long time. You know. Well, that's going to eat up everybody's retro if they do that. And yeah. uh, so the BA still comes out on top. Right. Whether it's intentional or not, you know, that's the way it's going to work out. Uh, it might get hard. It might get hard to get lawyers to help you too, because if, if they if they eliminate all the retros through this process, then there's not a lot of incentive for lawyers to help, and they might veterans might have a harder time getting you know legal help if they want it. No. Yeah, that's another good point too. Uh, uh, I don't know what it's going to take to make this thing work. Uh, uh, the BA tried to get me to go ramp. They sent me the uh, paperwork on it. Matter of fact, I spoke to the BA today, and they wanted me to, every time I talked to them, uh, we want you to switch over to ramp. And I said, no, I'm going to leave my claim the way it is. It's been in the system so long now. Switching to ramp it would be uh, mean, you know. If you guys ain't done it now, you ain't going to get it done uh, in a ramp period of time. And uh, yeah, they're, really, yeah, they're really pushing ramp. I've had veterans get three letters in the mail about ramp, you know? Yes. They are Last pushing it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I told them, no, I read through the paperwork. And I didn't like what I read. And I'm going to leave my claim in the, the process that's in. And I expect them to do their job properly. <laughs> About all you can tell. I don't like yeah. the ramp. 
Uh, some people may be okay, but for me it wasn't. Uh, I just gonna have to fight it out to the end, I guess. But uh, they're sure pushing ramp really hard. Mm -hmm. But well, Doctor Batch, we're about out of time here. Have uh, you want to give us your contact information? Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Best way to get me is a Google, you know, Google Dr. Craig Bash, and I find all my websites and my videos. I go to ABC News, and, and another video, my video has stuff. But it's uh, dr, dr. Bash at doctor.com, spelled out doctor, D O C T O.com. And then my scheduler guy is Skip. He's at 925-381-7561. So I talk to Skip like two or three times a day. He's called Skip up and tell him, hey, I want to talk to Dr. Bash, and he'll set you up in a time when I'm not typing. You know, or studying stuff, or have more time for calls, and that's usually like a day, you know, same day or next day. So, nine two five three eight one seven five six one. Skips in California. You can text him, or you can call him, and he'll hook you up with me. Okay, good deal. And Bill, he he's fixing to come back. When did you say he was coming back? Bill's going to come back in a month, I think, or so. So he's got, he's planning on coming in. He wants he's got a couple of good CUE cases we can talk about in great detail with the. The VA regulations and the manual, so we're all oh, good deal. So, yeah. yeah, he's sharp as a tack, ain't he? He knows yeah, that. Bill, yeah. Boy, yeah. he knows yeah, them Bill VA knows. laws. 40, 1976, so he's been doing it a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's, boy, he's sharp. I like hearing that. He, yep. he, yep. he don't He knows them inside and out. Yep, so Bill so, used, to work, he used to work at the local office, and he worked at the BVA, at the PVA at the appeals level, and he did a lot of work at the court, you know, back and forth to the court. And then he was uh -huh. at the VA, you know, central office for a while, for decades. So he's got lots of levels of experience, too. Yes, he does, and that shows. I mean, uh, that's really, really a good deal. We're, we're certainly glad to get him on, too. Uh, and... and you really give us a lot of good information here, Dr. Batch, and we appreciate it. We want these veterans out here to know everything they possibly can and, uh, and let them know they're not alone. Uh, there's people that are trying to give them information. Best, you know, if we can get our hands on it, we'll put it out there. So... Uh, we'll just keep on keeping on. All right. Well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, same to you, Dr. Batch, and yep. thanks yep. for coming yep. on. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Yep. We do appreciate it. Hey, Batch, do you have any questions at the end? Anything you wanted to fire yeah, on? No, you hit the topics pretty good. No, I hit the topics pretty good. I just uh, sit back and soaking all the information in there, so. You know, if I have any questions, I'll contact Dr. Bash directly. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Well, next time we get that Blue Water Navy going on, too, right? That's another whole other ballpark of stuff we can talk about one day. Maybe if you yeah, guys find a little. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to take. 
uh, if uh, the VA is going to appeal that or not, I don't guess they can, can they? Can you have a done deal? Yeah, let's do the goalpost six inches off the shore. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. Sounds to me like they, they might have got what they them. wanted. Uh, let's hope so. They ain't got let's... nothing yet. They ain't got nothing yet. Well, no. We'll keep our fingers crossed for them. Okay, this will be Gerald Cook uh, with Jay Basser, and we'll be, and thanks to Dr. Bash, uh, we'll be signing off for now. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Bastard Show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.